The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. The following Different Brains content was funded in part by the Community Foundation of Broward and support from people like you. In this episode of Exploring Different Brains, we all have so many strengths, and when we focus on those and we build those up, we can then broaden them out to cover any topic, anything. Um, but if you're working from a more deficit focus where we just focus on the areas you're not good at and just practice those over and over again, um, you know, after a lot of drills and a lot of repetition, you might make progress that way, but it won't be nearly as fast or effective as if we work from strengths. And I just think about myself and, you know, I'm a terrible speller and if I spent you know, if it was just like, oh, we got to get your spelling better, let's drill out those spelling words, then it might get better, but I would be miserable. <laughs> Versus like, hey, let's write something. I love writing. I love being creative. Um, and if I write something without worrying about the spelling, I, you know, there are no limits to what could happen. Um, so I think we can make a lot more progress a lot faster and include a lot more joy when we work from strengths instead of deficits. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reidman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we have the pleasure of welcoming back our friend, Dr. Jenny Trochio, who is the Vice President of Operations for, tell us. For Positive Development. And tell us what is Positive Development. Sure. <laughs> positive Development's an autism therapy organization. Um, we have about 13 centers throughout the country, and what's really exciting is that we offer a developmental approach to autism therapy, and um, and that's pretty huge because to date, and you know, I've had the opportunity to be here many times talking about the benefits of developmental therapy, but now thanks to positive development, it's getting covered by insurance, so it's actually an option for all families to be able to access. Wonderful. It's getting covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. You're branching out all over America, yep. you're a senior vice president. And tell us the approach, why it's so unique and so different. Sure, so a developmental approach um, is very different from traditional approaches, which are usually you know, adult-led, uh, very directive, saying do this and then I'll give you this. So sort of a reward consequence uh, situation in developmental therapy it is not adult-led. So first of all, that's the first difference is we let the child take the lead. And by taking a moment and just noticing what is the child interested in in this moment, we go from there and try to build on interactions. And the interaction should be fun, should be playful. And from there, we can really think about, okay, what's going on in this child's development? Where are they developmentally? We can also think about what are they taking in in terms of their sensory processing system, their motor system, their visual system, language system, auditory system, um, and then connect. And really the magic is in connecting. And so once we connect, we can start to build up that developmental ladder. Um, and that's where the, the real magic happens. So I'm the parent of, of let's say hypothetically, I'm the parent 
and I have a child, and the child's different. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what it is. What's the difference? So I end up going to a neurodevelopmental psychologist, and they say, your child has autism. Mm -hmm. So I bring my child with autism to you, Mm -hmm. And what do you tell me? So I tell you, I'm excited to see you. <laughs> I tell you, I'm excited to start this journey with you. And so then we, we do start with a parent interview. So we find out a little bit about that parent's journey, that family's journey. Um, we have interactions with the child and the family. We really believe that the family needs to be, the parents need to be part of the fun. <laughs> they need to be part of all of it. Because if we just go in and you know have a one-hour session, doesn't matter how effective it is, if all the progress ends when that session ends, then we won't get the carryover. So we'll do an evaluation to figure out exactly what the child's needs are. Um, and then we'll get sessions started, which could include um, parent support, so parent coaching, parent education, uh, occupational therapy, speech therapy, mental health therapy. Um, and then we also have something that we call DCC time, which is developmental client coach time, who's essentially a trained play partner who gets to go in the home and gets to work with the child there in the natural environment. And ideally, we want parents to be part of as many of the sessions as they can be, um, knowing that also every parent needs a break sometimes, <laughs> and that is very, very valid. Um, but we also want them to be part of the process and learn with us and help inform, you know, what, what do you see at home or what are you working on at home? So that way we can really be on the same page. You know that, like we know here at Different Brains, every brain is different yep. and every child is different. How do you develop a standard method? Uh, that is a very good question. <laughs> that is a very good question. And... There's nothing cookie cutter about autism and there's nothing cookie cutter about our approach. You can't just pull out a recipe book that says you start here, do this, 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 and then voila, it will be amazing. Um, sort of our starting point is to observe interactions and what is the child interested in? What do they enjoy in this moment? How are they processing the world? And that sort of informs how we interact with them. And the developmental approach is what you call it. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it's sort of under a bigger umbrella of DRBI or developmental relationship-based intervention. Um, and under that umbrella, there's a few different approaches. So there's DIR floor time that I know we've had the chance to talk about. There's play project. Um, so there's a bunch of different approaches under that. And so we sort of borrow from what's working for this child but we always make sure that we are thinking developmentally. So where's this child in this moment? And we work on building that relationship. Tell our audience a little bit about DIR floor time. Sure, so DIR floor time stands for Developmental Individual Differences Based Intervention. Um, and really what that is, if we just sort of break down the parts, so we're thinking about where the child is developmentally. So are they able to be calm and regulated in their body? Are they able to engage? So these are sort of different capacities. Are they able to have back and forth communication? Are they able to problem solve? So we really look at where they are on that developmental ladder. And then we think about their individual differences or individual profiles, so how they're taking in the world. And then we build the relationship. Um, and floor time is really, that's 
the fun of it. That's when we get to interact in a way that's appropriate for that child in that moment. Can you compare and contrast the behavioral approach to the developmental approach? Um, so behavioral approaches have been the traditional predominant approach. And one of the biggest reasons is that it was covered by insurance. So if the options are, you know, this is covered and recommended versus this thing that is not covered, I mean, very quickly, there's a difference. <laughs> but behavioral approaches do tend to be more adult-led. Um, whereas a developmental approach, we follow the child and we really watch where they are developmentally. We connect around what they love, what they're interested in. And then we work to build them up developmentally. So here, we're not thinking about isolated behaviors or skills. We're thinking about things like, you know, can the child be calm and regulated in their body? Can the child connect with another person? Can the child have some way of two-way two communication with another person? Can they problem solve? So we're really thinking about the whole child and how to support them to fulfill whatever goals, dreams, they may have, and we take their opinions very seriously. Um, we're not here to say, you know, the goal is you will not stand up for five minutes, or <laughs> that was a silly example, but you know, um, you know, you will not run out of the room when you don't like something. So, well, maybe we'll take a goal like that. So, I've seen goals such as, you know, the child will not leave the room. And so in a behavioral approach, there might be a whole bunch of tips and tricks to get that child to not leave the room. But in a developmental approach, the first thing we think of is, why is that child trying to leave the room? And so we're really thinking from the child's perspective. We put ourselves in their shoes. You know, is it the, this light's blinking? I wonder if that's it. Or, you know, there's a lot of chocolate in the other room. So we want to get to the why, and we want to connect with them around the why. And it's just such a respectful approach where we're really respecting every individual who's involved, including the parents. Um, and it also brings back the neurodiversity affirming where we're not trying to change or fix, we're trying to understand and support. And so I think that's a pretty big difference. What can parents learn from the developmental approach? Well, so ideally we want parents to be very much part of the whole process and we want them to learn how to connect with their child. Um, so that way they can connect throughout the day, all day, every day. And you know, so often people think we need these, you know, oh, 45 minutes to play starting now. And it's like, no, we can connect in like, you know, when it's time to wake up or time to get ready for the day, bath time. And so we want parents to be connecting with their kids all day, every day, and we want parents to be empowered to have fun with their kids. What advice would you have for anyone out there on how to connect to their child when they're having a great deal of trouble connecting? Mm, that's a really good question, Hacky. Um, so what I would recommend is to just take a moment and watch what is your child doing, and then try to put yourselves in their shoes and think about what are they experiencing in this moment? And I think once you do that, there's a shift that happens and you will understand, oh, he's interested in that ball because of the, spark the sparkly pieces. Like, oh, let's go look at the sparkly pieces together. So taking that moment just to wait, watch, and wonder gives us the perfect opportunity to learn how to connect in that moment because it could be different moment to moment. 
Um, but taking that time to observe is really important. You remember some of the conferences of the AADMD with Dr. Rick Rader and Steve Perlman, the emphasis on getting on the floor and playing, just playing together to see what's light and what's not light. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's huge. And then we also like to think about where's the child's attention and all, and then what is their intention? So, you know, if a child, um, if they're lining up trains, for example, you know, their attention's on the trains, but their intention is to line them up, right, to bring some order to it. And so by, by looking at those two pieces, we know that, you know, our approach to connecting for that child wouldn't be to go and mess up all their trains, right? <laughs> we would connect by helping to bring order to that system. Um, so yes, I totally agree. Get on the floor and, and observe and have some fun together. Jen, what could everyone learn from the developmental approach interacting on a daily basis? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, well, I'll say for me, a developmental approach has changed everything about the way I interact with everyone. Um, and sort of like I just explained with the kids, you know, I always think about what's going on for this person in this moment. Try to put myself in the other person's shoes and really try to connect. And I think if we could all connect with each other just a little bit more, we would all be just a little bit happier <laughs> and we would really understand other people's point of views. Um, sometimes I think we get very stuck in our mind about what's right and what's wrong uh, without that gray. And I think we could all use a little extra gray. Jenny, could you tell us your journey, how you got into special ed and beyond? I always knew I wanted to go into special ed. Um, I, I, had, I was part of the Best Buddies program in high school, and it, it was just pretty game-changing to hear all of these things that my best buddy, you know, her parents would talk about, oh, the doctor said she could never do this, and she will never be able to do that, and she'll never do this. And I just thought it was so cool to bust all of those, you know, limitations, and she just burst right through all of them. Um, we're still very good friends, by the way. We talk, we Zoom every Sunday um, to this day. Um, but what I loved about special ed was that, you know, society has these limits. And I think through special education, with the right attitude, we can really just throw a lot of those away and say there are no limits. Here's the goal, let's see how we can make this happen. Um, but I will say that the first time I met my first uh, student with autism, that, I mean, it was like one of those magical moments where, um, do we have time for a little story? Sure. Okay, so um, we're in class one day and, uh, and I was teaching in a, uh, a resource room. So there was a variety of different exceptionalities in the class, cerebral palsy, learning disorders, all autism, all sorts of things. Um, and just an amazing group of humans is actually how I'd prefer to call them. And one of the kids with autism in the middle of class sort of jumped up and started flapping and he said, channel seven, channel seven. And you know, as a first year teacher, I was taught to be very behavioral, you know, shh, sit down, um, time to pay attention. And a few minutes after that, I heard a helicopter. And a few minutes after that, I saw a channel seven helicopter go by the room. 
And I thought, huh, that was odd. And a few minutes later, he starts jumping up and down again, channel 10, channel 10, channel 10. I thought, now this is getting odd. Um, you know, again, shh, sit down. We're in the middle of class. We're <laughs> first year teacher. I so wish I could go back. Um, and then a few minutes later, heard a helicopter. A few minutes later, looked out the window. It was channel 10. And so what slowly started coming into my brain is, oh my gosh, this child could not only hear a helicopter before I could, but he could tell what channel the helicopter was from. And it was just like this super ability. And, you know, I'd be in IEP meetings and all these things, and everyone's talking about all the things he's not good at and all the things that, you know, he should be doing better at. And I just thought, but this kid has a gift, <laughs> you know? And I think that's, we all have gifts, but I think so many on the spectrum have these gifts that are just ready to be utilized and shared. Um, and I just want more people to understand that and to recognize them and share them and to appreciate them. How can our audience learn more about your work? Sure, so um, positive development can be found, um, positivedevelopment.com, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all the things, everywhere, all the new cool things. Am I missing one? Threads, is that a cool new thing? Threads, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we're, we can be found everywhere. Um, and all sorts of blog posts and information about it. And we're just really excited to get the word out that there are options, <laughs> that it doesn't all have to be behavioral and that we can find something that works for everyone. What's the biggest thing that you feel that people misunderstand about autism? I think a lot of people come in with the impression that we're here to fix. Um, and the fact is there's nothing broken. So I just sort of want to throw that in the trash and say, no, we're neurodiversity affirming. We are here to support you to do what you want to do. We're not here to fix anybody. There's nothing to fix. And like so many of the leaders who are my admirer, like Stephen Shore, mm. so many others, uh, you are going from a strength-based. Explain the difference between that approach of what your strength is versus trying to fix all your weaknesses. Sure. So, you know, we all have so many strengths. And when we focus on those and we build those up, we can then broaden them out to cover any topic, anything. Um, but if you're working from a more deficit focus where we just focus on the areas you're not good at and just practice those over and over again, um, you know, after a lot of drills and a lot of repetition, you might make progress that way, but it won't be nearly as fast or effective as if we work from strengths. And I just think about myself and, you know, I'm a terrible speller and if I spent you know, if it was just like, oh, we got to get your spelling better, let's drill out those spelling words, then it might get better, but I would be miserable. <laughs> Versus like, hey, let's write something. I love writing. I love being creative. Um, and if I write something without worrying about the spelling, I, you know, there are no limits to what could happen. Um, so I think we can make a lot more progress a lot faster and include a lot more joy when we work from strengths instead of deficits. You just accidentally segued into um, how your method 
is utilizing IT. Ah, yes, that's such a great topic. And you know, I, IT and the world of AI, it's just, it's so fascinating, right? Um, I will say, at sort of the, sorry, I didn't mean to bring AI into it, um, but, <laughs> but at, at a basic level, AAC devices, right? So we want to make sure that everyone has a way to communicate. Um, and AAC devices, so it could be just, you know, on an iPad, a few apps, even a voice output. Some people even just Explain type. what that is and what the abbreviations stand for. Thank you very much. Sorry. Aug um, assistive augmentative communication devices. So um, it's a way to give people without a voice a way to communicate what they're wanting, thinking, feeling, needing in the moment. Um, and, you know, there are so many kids on the spectrum who are so smart and so intelligent, but they might not have a way to communicate that. They might not be able to speak verbally and maybe their motor skills aren't super reliable so they don't have the body language to let us know what they think, feel, want, need. They all know it. Um, so it's just a matter of giving them a way to express it. Give some specific dramatic examples, if you could, of some of those who've had a cool, they can't communicate, and after they're with you, they're with com communicate. Sure. Um, oh, I've got a few examples in mind. Um, so one of the students that I'm thinking about in particular, um, we really weren't sure where he was developmentally. He had a hard time controlling his body. He would just he spent a lot of time running, um, running in circles, and you know little things like we couldn't figure out what color was his favorite, and that was sort of frustrating for me because. You know, I want to give everyone, th you know, if you love orange, I want to give you an orange balloon and an orange marker and all the things. Um, so, so he would just pick different colors every time. And I remember once I gave on an assistive device, there were all the different colors. And I just said, what color is your favorite? And he pointed to black. And I thought, well, no wonder it didn't seem like he had a favorite color before because black isn't an option. You know, if, what color crayon do you want? Usually black isn't in there. Um, and this particular um, child who's now actually an adult, I mean, he's just fascinating. He, we went from working on, you know, apple begins with the letter A, point to the apple sort of thing, which is a very sort of traditional approach that um, we don't really utilize anymore. But once we got him typing, he said, I want to know more about Barack Obama. And we said, how do you know about Barack Obama? He said, my mom listens to NPR. And it was just like, whoa, okay, so we are so far beyond A is for Apple. You know, he wanted to talk about politics and all of this stuff. You would never have a clue observing him, but having a device, having a way to express what he wants and knows and thinks and feels, I mean, it's just, it's a game changer. Um, I think that's another assumption we tend to put on a lot of kids um, who maybe don't have reliable verbal communication is for whatever reason, that's equivalent to their intelligence, but it's just not the case. So if someone doesn't have a voice, we need to find a way for them to communicate. Um, and then we can get into, you know, what do they like? What do they love? How are they feeling? In your population is, how does, how, what's the gender breakdown? So um, there are a lot more males diagnosed than female. I believe it's about one to four. Um, which is fascinating. Um, you know, when I used to run a school, 
I remember, actually, the boy who I was just mentioning, he typed, um, I want to be a re in a real school. And I said, well, you are in a real school. And it was a small private school um, with about eight boys. And he said, no, real schools have girls. And I just, my heart sort of broke for him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there, there definitely are more males than females. Jen, I know that you focus on the individual young person whose brain is a little bit different. But tell us how you manage the expectations of the parent for that child. Great question. So we like to have parents with us from the very beginning. We want them to be an active part of the team. So that way we're able to make decisions and talk about expectations together because we really want to be on the same page when it comes to that. Um, and we also tell parents that, you know, the more you can be involved in the process with us, the more you can join sessions, the more you, you know, sign up for parent support, the more progress will start to happen at home and then it will generalize twice as fast. So, um, so I guess we want them, A, to be part of the team and then to, to jump in and, and get in there with us. Well, Jen Trocchio of Positive Development, it's been a pleasure to have you here again. And we hope you'll be back soon at Different Brains. Oh, it's been such an honor. Thanks so much, Heck. Keep up your great work, Jen. Oh, you too. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.